Hello everyone and welcome to AWARE. We are Paula and Lisa, two students of the Bachelor of Global Sustainability Science at Utrecht University. In this podcast, composed of five episodes, we will have several guests and discuss fast fashion and its possible solutions from many different perspectives. From the history of fast fashion to the latest and most innovative solutions, we will have a journey to explore slow fashion, ethical consumption and circularity in the fashion industry. This will go hand in hand with inspiring discussions with experts and entrepreneurs that have first-hand experience in the industry. We are here to start a discussion about a topic that touches upon all of us. You wake up in the morning, you open your closet and you choose something to wear. Either it is a suit, a uniform, a pair of jeans or a fancy dress, it has impacted the world more than you expected. Are you ready to know more about it? Then stay connected with our podcast to find out. Welcome to episode 4 of the Aware podcast series. In this episode, we will discuss circularity in the fashion industry. Circularity means moving away from the make-take-and-waste model that is now in our world, that's become used to accept stuff at excessively cheap prices, and instead going back to a system that treats our resources, whether cotton, polyester, wool or leather, as the precious raw materials they are. Make do and mend was our grandparents' mantra during the war years, and many people think that we could look back at it to rethink what we are doing now. Repair, reuse, recycle is the way both consumers and brands need to think about our clothing going forward. But first, let's explain what we're talking about. Today's economies are primarily based on a linear model. Resources are extracted from the planet, turned into products, and then thrown away when no longer required. There may be some reuse and recycling on the way, but ultimately, it is still a take-make-waste. In contrast to this, circular fashion industry is defined as a regenerative system in which clothes are circulated for as long as their maximum value is retained. And then, they are returned safely to the biosphere when they are no longer of use. In a circular model, products are designed and developed already with the next use in mind. The Alan MacArthur Foundation, a UK-registered charity which promotes the circular economy, refers to this as decoupling economic activity from the consumption of finite resources and designing waste out of the system. 2014, for the first time, sustainable fashion officially collided with the circular economy, resulting in the new term of circular fashion. The term was first coined at a seminar in Sweden, where a more circular approach to the fashion industry was the core focus. In that period, the fashion industry was seriously under scrutiny for its impact. In fact, only a year before, in 2013, the Rana Plaza clothing manufacturing complex in Bangladesh collapsed, killing over 1,000 workers, with fast fashion quickly becoming an undesirable model for consumers to support. This tragedy, together with the last few years bringing to the forefront some questionable methods in the industry, including devastating environmental, human and animal impacts, have also highlighted the important role that consumers play in advocating for better standards and in fast-tracking change. As various associations promote the advancement of a circular economy, one often hears the phrase, there is no way. This idiom intends to remind people that even when a product is responsibly disposed of, 
for example, via recycling, it still exists and it still has a negative environmental impact. People could ask why recycling is not enough. And although recycling is considered to be an important component of sustainability, circularity takes things much farther by bringing the concept of reducing waste to the beginning of the design process. Did you know that less than 1% of clothing are recycled into new clothes? And that the clothing waste accumulated between today and 2025 will weigh as much as today's world's population? The main advantage of a circular fashion model are the reduced dependency on imported raw materials, the creation of eco-friendly industries and jobs, the fact that eco-friendly brands would benefit from a better public image, and the reduction in environmental damage caused by resource extraction. However, while we mention many advantages of a circular fashion model, it's also possible to see limitations of nonlinear fashion. The success is profoundly dependent on the consumer's actions. Creating a new business model on the basis of recycled goods is tough, and the entire cycle requires integrating product life cycle from raw material to disposal. There are several organizations, such as Fashion Revolution and Clean Clothes Campaign, currently working to end human and environmental exploitation in the global fashion industry. These organizations are formed by consumers, campaigners, designers, academics, producers, and workers all over the world. They believe that with systemic and structural change, the global fashion industry can lift millions of people out of poverty and provide them with decent and dignified livelihood. If you would like to see this in the future, we invite you to check them out and get involved. It is not certain whether moving to a circular fashion economy can tackle the impact of business models that rely on continual growth. However, even just attempting to move to a more circular model brings benefits in reducing waste and pollution. Today, we will have as our guest Denise Reike, researcher at the Copernicus Institute of Sustainable Development at Utrecht University. Her research focuses on circular economy, the understanding of this new concept, consumers' acceptance of circular business and innovation studies. So welcome, Denise. We're glad to have you here. So how are you doing? I'm very good today. Thank you very much for having me. So we will just dive into the topic. Um, we already introduced the concept of circular economy to our audience, but how would you define it with some keywords? Oh, I think uh, that's always very challenging to put a concept that is as complex and also potentially very broad uh, to narrow that down to a few keywords. But I would say that there are a few key principles in the circular economy. And one definitely is that it is above all about avoiding uh, the use of resources where possible. So if you can do without something, uh, that would be the ideal situation. Of course, this is something that we are not used to, uh, to think in ways of avoiding resource use entirely. Uh, so a second very important principle is minimizing then the use of resources in as much as possible or also uh, to use resources as long 
as it may be possible. Uh, so think, for example, um, I think we're going to speak about uh, the fashion industry in specific later on. So think about using your T-shirt or your jeans that you're wearing as long as possible instead of throwing it away uh, when you think that um, yeah, it, it may not be so fashionable anymore. Huh? When a magazine, for instance, uh, that you're uh, reading regularly has told you, hey, this trend is over, we're going over to a new style, uh, that you would still continue using this item or that you would try to find someone else who would like to continue using it. So it is about enabling um, multiple cycles of use um, for resources that we are using to produce goods, but also then the goods themselves that we are producing from the resources. Thank you. Yeah, that was a really good way of explaining it. Um, and starting from an individual perspective, will moving toward a circular economy require changes in consumer behavior? Are those already happening? Well, I think that certainly... Um, the way that we define a circular economy at the UU, um, because there are different ways of defining the concept. Um, we just talked about some key principles, but then filling them in more specifically is, um, yeah, is something that is done very, very differently by different, um, different as we say, actors in the system, so the different societal groups that implement circular economy. And um, most of the definitions do actually include uh, an active role for the consumer to change as well. Uh, obviously, industry plays a key role uh, in terms of uh, the products that they are offering and if it is possible uh, to allow for an next um, use cycle for them but uh, consumers are certainly key in signaling the industry uh, that consumers with their conscious choice uh, are actually signaling the industry yes I am buying less for example um, I am using indeed my my clothes longer um, and in that way they can actually signal um, or send important I uh, signals as well um, that something needs to change. Um, th the problem with consumers is that I think even though there are many consumers that would like to contribute more uh, towards a circular economy, it is relatively hard for them because they can often not detect in how far goods um, are uh, so yeah, are fulfilling uh, circularity and how far they can be reused or in how far companies have been given attention to uh, how these goods have been sourced and, and how they can be reused, how long their life cycle is. All these things are very difficult to detect for the consumer. So it is not very easy these days as a consumer to make this conscious choice and to support, um, yeah, to, to, to actively support this transition towards the circular economy. So I think that the consumers um, yeah, are, are in a very 
challenged uh, position there and it requires a lot of individual effort uh, to for the consumer actually to to actively support the transition these days yeah indeed um and i think this is like really related to some ideas from the current business model that we have um so then shifting to a business perspective uh, at the moment the idea of growth is linked uh, to the idea of consumption um, the growth of most businesses is in fact uh, still based on more people buying more clothes. This way, circularity could be seen as something bad for business. So how would you convince an entrepreneur who is about to start a clothing brand um, to think about circularity? Like, can circularity be good for business? So if I understand you correctly, then you are asking um, that an entrepreneur is setting up um, a business and tries to be circular under the current economic system. And in the, yeah, in the situation we face today, um, and I think uh, we have to distinguish two things. So... If you ask me about someone who sets up their business, so is starting up an entirely new business, then I would say, well, uh, certainly for you it is very uh, easy to think about circularity uh, because one of the uh, the key principles also about circularity is to really um, yeah, think ahead, uh, to think before you do something. And the beautiful thing is if you have a startup um, or you're about to start your business, then indeed you have a lot of room still uh, to plan and to to build in these principles of uh, circularity into your business. You don't have um, assets in place yet. So inventory, uh, you have not made investments um, you don't have um, employees, uh, so human capital uh, that works in a certain way yet. But you can really entirely, um, yeah, from scratch, design a plan uh, that fits to your business idea on how you could implement um, and connect these, these principles of circularity into the business. On the other hand, if you already... Um, have a business so if you are already an entrepreneur in the current system i think then you uh, come yeah with a very different starting position because then you have all these things you so you have made investments uh, in line with these these linear principles uh, that we are following these days um, your employees uh, they are working in certain ways and they have uh, possibly not internalized this thinking in terms of circularity principles. They might not be familiar with it at all. So they would have to be trained, etc. Um, there's a lot that then uh, needs to be done in order to identify where your possibilities uh, could specifically lie for that business that you're already operating. Um, certainly, yeah, one thing... Um, that I would say to entrepreneurs, um, for instance, for to people that are running a bit bi big business, I would uh, tell them that circularity can definitely save them money. Because essentially, if you have a good overview of your 
resources and where they come from, um, yeah, what resources you need in order to make your specific product, uh, yeah, how much of it, um, how long is typically the entire life cycle of this product, so how long is it then being used, etc. Then um, the better your overview on this, the better you can um, yeah, actually uh, establish plans to use less resources in your production process or to redesign your product in a way that in the use phase the consumer uh, will uh, use it, can use it longer or will um, require less energy to use it, etc. So I think... Um, well, and and then let's be realistic. Um, of course, for the uh, yeah in the in the current economy, for a big brand, only the part up until uh, the product actually leaves the the gate is interesting because afterwards they don't make money anymore, right? Um, you are using the item, um, and they don't care what you do with it. To to say it uh, very uh, naya, crudely, but. Um, of course, uh, all the way from the sourcing up until the product leaves their gate, you can save quite some money if you can actually manage to do it with less. And that is something that uh, certainly businesses under uh, our current economic model are very interested in because it's all about uh, cutting costs, obviously. Um, yeah, so uh, I think um, also you might um, in that way gain insight into uh, how can you buy certain resources uh, cheaper? How could you uh, switch suppliers, for instance, uh, rather than turning to the ones that you are currently using? Um, you could also advertise it as a way, and that's increasingly actually gaining legitimacy, um, that companies are acknowledging that there are uh, supply fluctuations huh, also of resources. We saw it now very much with uh, with the COVID crisis, with with the pandemic pandemic, um, or we saw it when there was the the ship uh, that uh, got stuck in the Aswan um, dam. So then we have strong supply fluctuations, and they they also mean the prices of resources go up. Um, and when you uh, yeah have a good overview of of what you need when you need it uh, and 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 you plan very wisely with it, then in a way circularity can minimize your risks in these things. And then obviously, um, as a last point, uh, you talked about uh, consumers already. Uh, consumers are increasingly interested in what companies do. Uh, also the bigger ones in terms of uh, circularity. And uh, it is uh, a strong uh, reputational risk minimizer. Or on the other hand, you could say that you can gain reputation from showing that you are more circular than others, um, similar as um, when companies show that they are actually really uh, trying to um, combat climate change and ad adapt to it. Okay, so you already mentioned some barriers. Um, do you think that a company that decides to go in the circular direction requires new staff positions or new kinds of managers? 
Uh, yes, I think uh, that is a very interesting question. Actually, it is also um, sort of a debate or... No, actually, it is a debate that I find to be surprisingly absent in the circular uh, economy literature so far. Um, so very often we see in studies that we conduct that we find out that people assume that collaboration, for instance, for the circular economy or also yeah, executing it in general, um, yeah, that it doesn't require particular uh, new, new skills. It is just about um, understanding a bit what the concept means, but then you could apply similar... Um, yeah, similar mechanisms of, of doing business to it. And that is a big debate. Does that actually really work? And in the beginning, um, yeah, because people were indeed approaching the circular economy in exactly the same ways as they approach their, their daily business problems, we thought maybe the answer is indeed no. There are no real new uh, staff positions required or there are no um, fundamentally changing mechanisms and, and mechanisms of, of collaboration maybe in the company um, between the employees. But we increasingly realized that this might be something that was connected to this uh, starting phase of the concept. So the concept is, of course, not very, uh, yeah, many businesses have not implemented it yet, are not familiar with it. Um, and, and so uh, this might have been just a natural reaction uh, to first uh, do uh, the same uh, things and try to incorporate it in this in this regular way of, of doing business. Um, but we see that actually companies that, uh, for instance, big brands that are um, starting up pilot projects on a circular uh, business model. So, for instance, if they are switching towards um, a model where you can rent your clothes uh, instead of buying them, uh, that it fundamentally changes the way that the entire business works and that uh, there is uh, certainly a point to appointing um yeah particular uh, staff uh, being in charge for this and i would say also in the long run if circular economy really becomes a principle that gets incorporated into uh, business then we do require uh, new staff positions and uh, how that exactly looks like and what competences are really needed for these people is something that we still need to find out um, in research and obviously also uh, in practice, the people who are doing it. Uh, so what are the first steps that a business can take to go uh, toward the circular direction? Yeah, I think there's of course no um, yeah blueprint or one-fits-all recipe, but there are a number of uh, steps that, every business, I guess, would undertake. Um, the very first, obviously, being that you really have to look into what does circularity mean for you and your business and uh, how does it fit to your business. And one of the things that you might 
be able to take as a heuristics for that um, is the so-called uh, 10R um, framework. Um, you may have heard about um, there being different possibilities of um, keeping resources in the loop in circular economy. And this 10R framework basically lists 10 different strategies on how you can do this, uh, starting with refusing resources. So we talked about this. If you can avoid something entirely, this is always the best. So for instance, think about, hey, in my design process, all the way before I uh, develop my product or my service, how can I avoid um, having to use resources uh, at all? Or how can I then minimize it as a next step that would be uh, the so-called, uh, so the first was the R0 and that would be the R1, so reduce. And then an R2 would be to reuse resources. And R3 would be to repair resources. And you could go on and through this list of the 10 R's and try to identify in how far your business can apply these strategies. So how in how far can you refuse, reduce, reuse, repair? Um, and this is a simple heuristics whereby you can identify first opportunities in your business, how you could be doing that. And if you have the resources indeed in your businesses, in your business that are required in order to do this and also the capabilities. And do your employees have the necessary motivation? Um, those things um, are first things to inquire and uh, to connect uh, this, this general definition of circularity to what it could mean for your particular business. And then as a second step, I would recommend that you can start piloting. So you could choose a first idea. So for instance, to reuse um, the good that you are producing or to ask your customers to uh, reuse it or return it to you for reuse. And then you start this pilot and thereby you will actually develop first knowledge and first experience that you need in your business in order to understand what works indeed for you and with your customers and what doesn't. And I think that this education and, and growing knowledge in your business about how to implement the circular economy, this is really one of the most decisive steps for starting to um, yeah, to form it and for starting to carve out what are in the end the business models or the business opportunities uh, that your business can use in a viable way. And we are speaking, of course, here always um, in a viable way in the current economic system because... Uh, yeah, we are embedded in a certain system which functions in a certain way and that puts a lot of constraints and opportunities that are very individual to these businesses. So therefore, um, start this really stepwise. You cannot implement everything um, yeah, tomorrow. Um, you need to start somewhere. And once you started and once you have a better idea, 
then you can uh, define goals uh, for your business. Uh, where should the business go in terms of circularity? So going back, for instance, to our um, company that started to implement a reuse model, it could define goals. How much do I want uh, to be reused uh, by the year 2025, for instance, in my business? Uh, and then you can start monitoring these goals. And thereby you get uh, a very transparent overview in uh, making progress towards these steps and in monitoring this progress um, you actually gain a lot of insight again for your business in terms of what works and what doesn't work and then you can adjust again and, and, and continue setting new goals or saying well this is something that is not feasible for us let's um, try to work with different strategies. So in this way, step by step, you uh, gradually make process. But it is typically not something that you can do overnight or um, yeah, that, that you can, where you can just radically implement all sorts of circularity options. This might be something that certain startups can do, um, but for the regular business already in operation, I would say this is the typical stepwise process that you should take. So kind of related to brands acknowledging how circular they are, do you believe in monitoring circularity through, for example, labels? Yes, I think uh, that is very decisive. I think that will come to be one of the key mechanisms um, in helping to move forward the transition, actually. Well, on the one hand, we have to say that labels, well, there are so many, right? We know them um, yeah, from clothing. We know them also from uh, buying food uh, for the consumer. It is just very, very confusing to understand what they are trying to tell us. Or we can make it very easy for ourselves and we say, now it says um, uh, in the supermarket, it says biological, okay, I'm doing good, it's biological, whatever that means. Or for clothes, um, uh, sustainable cotton um, on a label. Ah yeah, okay, apparently this is more sustainable than the rest. But what does this entirely mean? This is... Yeah, extremely tricky to trace for the consumer. So, yes, labels, I think, will be extremely decisive in conveying this message on how circular a brand really is. But since we have so many these days, um, we have this risk that the consumer will not um, find these labels credible. The good thing is, though, that for circularity in specific, um, when it comes to clothing, we don't have one established uh, label yet. So we have a lot of, indeed, these sustainability labels, um, which tell you something uh, about working conditions or about uh, yeah, less water used in this process, etc., etc. But we don't have it um, when it comes to... Um, yeah, the, the circularity 
Um, and, and then indeed, what is the circularity uh, is of course something that you really need to define. But there lies the chance. So uh, this is still something that uh, all industries together uh, can do or specific industries uh, for themselves, like the clothing industry, for example. So it is important to realize that labels are just one aspect of this entire tracking and tracing system that gives um, transparent insight into what happens over the uh, supply chain when a good is produced from sourcing to indeed leaving the, the factory and, and going into uh, commercialization so for us to be able to buy it. There are um, actually different elements of this tracking and tracing and the labels are the part that is then visible to the consumer and that shall indeed signal a certain level of circularity to the consumer or certain uh, principles that have been adhered to um, in the uh, production process. So uh, definitely uh, they are very important, but uh, the yeah, what is also really important is that uh, in order to enable us to eventually put a label on a piece of cloth that can say something credible about circularity, what we need is, of course, this entire system um, around this piece of cloth um, where we can track what happens with it. And that means that we have to combine uh, three steps um, and this is that we need to be able to uniquely identify the item. So this is something that we already have today, for instance, with these uh, RFID codes or barcodes that we, um, yeah, most of us ha have seen them eh, on our piece of cloth or elsewhere. Um, so this is one aspect. Uh, this is what makes really the product uniquely traceable over the entire supply chain. Uh, because if it's not uniquely traceable, then we get this problem that we have, for instance, um, uh, with uh, sustainable uh, forest, etc. Uh, maybe you know that uh, some of what is uh, FSC certified uh, wood is actually, uh, or that, that part of that batch that we get certified might actually be um, not certified, but that is only because a certain percentage of the entire wood that we label as now FSC wood, so 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 um, certified uh, and more sustainable wood, um, yeah, there only needs to be a certain proportion fulfilled. So uh, we don't know if uh, now that piece of furniture that we have at home at the end of the day, hmm, do I really have this sustainable piece or did I by coincidence get those? 10% of the batch that are not. Um, and uh, if we have this unique identification, then this is something that we do not longer have to worry about. But we also, indeed, ultimately then at the end of this whole supply chain where we as consumers buy the item, we know, yes, this particular piece of clothes has been produced at this and this location, in this and this way, by these and these workers, under these and these conditions, using these and these resources, and being able to be uh, good for use uh, 
per- perspectively for this and this amount of time. Um, so this is this is the one very important part of it, this unique identification. And then, of course, you need a second mechanism and that's quite obvious, um, I guess, that can indeed save all this data. So you need unique identification is the first part, just um, this, this tracking of, of the product. But of course, you need a technology that can indeed save this information that I just talked about. So that is your second part of uh, this process. And then the third part is indeed uh, this communication to the consumer. And that is done by the label these days. And we expect that in the future we will have um, actually what is uh, called um, uh, virtual wardrobes. So that we can um, scan items and um, yeah and, and and trace back, for instance, in our own wardrobe. Hey, how often have I been uh, washing this item already? Um, ultimately, where we would like to get with the circular economy in the in the clothing industry is, for example, that you. Um, are going to click on your uh, nice uh, mini computer maybe in your nah, not good because it uses energy of course but um, maybe we find a way to make that circular too but uh, you're going to click on your mini computer in uh, your wardrobe and uh, you're go- you want to uh, wear a certain uh, trouser and there will come the day where uh, the mini computer will tell you Now, I suggest that you only wear this trouser five more times because then it is still at a quality level um, where you have the following options to deal with the good. You can. um, It is still of a good enough quality, for instance, uh, to uh, resell it um, if you don't like it anymore so much. So you would be warned in time, hey... If this is an item that's not among your favorite, um, please uh, give it away for another type of reuse now rather than later because now the quality is still good. Or you would be informed now the the fibers, they're really starting to to wear out to an extent that um, if you would put it away now, we could still use it for uh, mechanical recycling of Uh, the clothing items uh, because now the fiber quality is still good enough that we can use this circularity option with it so we actually want to 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 have a completely different kind of uh, system than what labels are these days they are these days often indeed confusing don't convey a lot of information and ideally um, over time uh, much of the technology is already there um, but there it needs to be a lot of coordination um, within the industry on how they really, really want to uh, put this into practice. Um, but yeah, ideally, um, this this entire idea of the label uh, that is confusing and does hardly convey any, any information will become a label um, that, that maybe you scan one time in your uh, wardrobe um, and then uh, it will start um, yeah, tracing maybe the use of this item and uh, will, will help you also as the consumer to really make the most optimal choices to give your item 
uh, a long lifetime and to enable as many um, yeah, circular use options for this item as possible. One thing that I would like to bring um, yeah, to the attention of the audience, though, uh, in connection maybe with this good prospect of uh, having clothing items that uh, are completely traceable, huh? you know where they come from, and that where you actually can sort of optimize the use indeed with your virtual uh, closet is obviously the privacy aspect for you as the consumer. So... All these things will, of course, be somewhere digitally stored. And uh, if a company wants to get back your item from you, then somehow they need to still know that you have it, right? So there would be a lot of exchange of data uh, between maybe the consumer and um, these clothing brands or maybe another third party who helps to implement uh, this entire a reuse system and um, why I find it so interesting is that uh, in a, I find it very interesting in a Dutch context because very often this is something that um, when I speak to, to, to a mainly Dutch audience uh, people don't really think about because for them uh, as long as um, yeah let's say um, the ease of use um, increases or as long as it serves my purpose uh, then why should I worry about any privacy aspects but yeah that this goes down maybe to yeah quite um, yeah, a, a deep level of uh, your private life huh? how often are you washing your clothes and what are you really doing with them um, yeah, and, and, and really, indeed, knowledge about what, what you have in your wardrobe. Imagine um, that these brands might then know, um, hey, uh, you uh, have a wardrobe with, indeed, uh, worth a thousand euros, and then another one, 10,000 euros. And, um, well, uh, if we stayed in the, in the economy of these days, of course, then they would start offering you uh, more expensive clothes, uh, for example, right? Uh, if they know you have more money to spend, etc. Um, so we'd hope that we can also change these kind of incentives. But, um, well, all I want to say is uh, people should really um, think about these trade-offs that we're making. And I think an increasingly connected world is absolutely great and there lie lots and lots of chances um, in connecting us as consumers um, much more and, and uh, enabling these digital links but there are also a lot of challenges that we have to master and um, clothing may be one aspect but this also uh, yeah this goes further um, this can concern other type of products uh, think about your mobile phone for instance and uh, there is a point um, where this very, very sensitive data can ultimately be misused. We know that uh, yeah, the Googles of these days uh, have more money and power than some countries in the world. So, yeah, we should be very, very careful and, and pay much attention now as consumers um, yeah, that we don't only jump happily on these things, but that we... Uh, also fulfill our role here in demanding the right type of security standards 
for us to ensure that this will not ultimately backfire um, at us consumers who want to make a more conscious choice. Um, wow, the idea of a virtual closet is really uh, creative and futuristic. Um, and as you say, labels are indeed confusing now. Um, and this also opens the possibility for greenwashing. As circularity has gained popularity within the industry, is it in danger of just becoming a buzzword, a cool thing for a fashion brand to say that they're doing? Um, how can we deal with this? So I think one thing that is important for the whole question of greenwashing is um, we need a very clear definition at best with the entire clothing sector on what circularity really means and what it really includes. Because only that will, of course, help us to define the starting point of now what is now greenwashing and what not. And that also makes it then detectable for the consumer. Because these days, you're absolutely right, um, any brand can say, uh, yeah, I, I turned um, um, some plastic bottles into uh, a new T-shirt. And yeah, people just sort of yeah, have, to, have to buy uh, this message. They don't know how it was done. They don't know how much percent. They don't know if it's really something good. Um, but it is communicated apparently as something which is more sustainable and better. So I think, um, yeah, with the industry, we really need a really clear definition um, yeah, ideally a common definition. And if that is then clearly communicated, then also the consumer uh, knows much more how to judge all of these claims that brands are making these days. Um, and yeah, I what I find really problematic is indeed that they are, uh, yeah, that some are really um, abusing this word of circularity and um they create wrong, now in my idea, wrong ideas also with the consumer about what it is. Because as you suggested, um, if we are not open about the fact that we ultimately need to consume less or find really different ways of how we treat our clothes, how we are wearing them, how we are washing them, um, if, if we are not... Uh, clear about that then we are generating an image um, yeah that it, that it is just uh, something very easy and then we might attain gradual change but we don't attain this more radical change um, which the concept is often um, suggested to stand for um, because very often right we, we we assume that if we are entirely uh, if we build an entirely circular economy that will drastically change uh, how we uh, consume and also the absolute amount of resources that we consume. And these days, no, brands very rarely communicate clearly that we need to um, have less fashion items, for instance, um, that, that it's not a good idea to have uh, to, yeah, to buy time and time again um, and then jump on the seasonal cloth. For instance, uh, Sarah, I think they used to produce uh, 28 uh, different um, collections a year and now they are down to 20. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we're not signaling to consumers um, that they should also drastically change 
uh, their, their ways of consuming and and that um, yeah let's say uh, it's it's a way of trying to promote the small wins that uh, companies are making and, and and working with these yeah low hanging fruits we sometimes say right um, but yeah it, this this can definitely send the wrong message and it could ultimately prevent that circular economy has the effects that it could could actually have if we would uh, define it more strictly and if we would uh, send this clear message um, as one industry uh, to our consumers on what it really means. And uh, now to finalize, I would like to ask you if you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the audience. Yeah, a final thought. One thing that is also a very personal thing, um, standpoints vary here a lot, is that I find the role of the government in this type of transition quite important. Uh, we have seen that governments over the last couple of decades have dramatically lost power to steer societies and partly also for the better huh? because it has enabled new actors, new groups in societies to take this power, fill it in and have a say in forming debates, in forming what is on the agenda and policy, etc. But I feel that governments... The way that we nah, now finally, gradually see it happening with the climate change uh, debate. Um, but governments are still quite decisive in giving form to such concepts and their implementation. So, for instance, uh, we spoke about this huge opportunity that lies in tracking and tracing and enabling new forms of labeling. And a government might be the actor who can uh, bring different parties, um, different companies and their views, different other groups in society together and help uh, find out what this system should look like to function well for all uh, the different parties. Um, or a government is still important uh, to set incentives to become more circular uh, in the absence of markets uh, that are signaling uh, that we should indeed buy less um, and uh, clothes, use them longer, etc. Um, then the government is the responsible party that can actually enable for startups or for bigger brands that say, hey, we want to change course that can enable to make this more feasible and viable by sending clear signals with policy instruments that this is the way to go. So, um, yeah, this, this is a very personal thing, but since we spoke a lot about the role of the industry, um, the role of the uh, consumer, which is, of course, indeed very difficult uh, for the consumer these days, um, uh, to to navigate uh, through um, the the jungle of of different fast fashion um, uh, offerings, 
so I, I feel that there is ultimately uh, still a role also for this um, yeah, more traditional societal actor um, in helping uh, the industry, but of course also then the consumer with um, awareness campaigns and the like uh, to support this transition uh, towards circularity. So I think we uh, yeah, should, should really always think about uh, this, this triangle uh, of government, industry and the consumer now and obviously uh, any other party um, along this, uh, this triangle. Uh, let's, let's take everybody along in this transition. This is something really important to think about indeed. Thank you, Denise, for being with us today. It was such an inspiring discussion. In this episode, we learn about circularity and possible ways to apply it to fashion. It was a lot of information, and we hope this made you see the fashion industry and our whole economic system from a different perspective. There is an urgent need to rethink the way we perceive growth, but don't get discouraged. The circular way of thinking and working brings many new and exciting opportunities for the fashion and textile industries. Every actor in the economy, whether a company, a person or an organization, is connected to other actors. Together, this forms a network in which the actions of one player influence other players. Circular fashion entails a more systemic, cyclical view of how physical and biological processes, together with human interactions, give rise to sustainable living environments. We must learn to use waste streams as a source of secondary resources and recover waste for reuse and recycling. How can you do it in your daily life, starting from your closet? We will for sure reflect on that. We would like to conclude this episode with a quote from the American rapper and musician Will I Am that summarizes our discussion. Waste isn't waste until we waste it. Thank you for listening to this episode of AWARE. Keep tuned for next week's episode about innovation and the future fashion industry. If you're new to our podcast, make sure to check out our previous episodes. And feel free to follow our Instagram page at Aware Podcast. See you next time.